and welcome to our podcast. This is Coming Out Stories. I'm Emma Goswell and I'm your host. It's brought to you by What Goes On Media. By the way, if you listen to us on Spotify, which I know lots of you do, please give us a wee review. It takes literally a second to give us a star rating. Five would be nice and we would love you forever. Cheers! Can you believe it's nearly the end of season four? But before we go, there's time for one more brilliant coming out story. It's time to meet Kit from London, who didn't come out till a little bit later in life. It hit me when I was about 28, 29. And then when I came out, age 30, there was a brief stint where I used the label bisexual. I knew I wasn't, but it just felt slightly easier for me at that moment. I feel quite bad actually for, I feel sad for a lot of bisexual people because I think that is a kind of a trajectory quite a few lesbians have and it can, you know what I mean? Like, it, I think it can be slightly... It was certainly my story. I certainly yeah. came out as bisexual and I think I convinced myself I was, but it took me a couple of years to go, actually, no, that is not what I want in my life. It's never going to happen. <laughs> it took yeah. me a while to say the word lesbian. Is it something to do with the word, do you think? It's just, there's so many connotations to go with it. I think it is. I think there's hugely loads of connotations. I think for me, like, I don't think I heard the word lesbian really until I was probably about 12. Mm. And then it was sort of used as a slur in school. And so the connotations weren't great. I didn't know any. That was the other thing. I just didn't see any. It wasn't in, in my world or in my psyche. And then I also just think that, like, the, the prospect of completely leaving a world which is, you know, it's a patriarchy, isn't it, really? Mm. Kind of removing myself from men was just a little bit too terrifying for that initial jump. So let's um, sort of put this in a time and a place and a context. You said you didn't know of any lesbians. What year are we talking? Were you sort of, what decade were you growing up in and where were you? Yeah, so I was born in 1986 and I grew up in London and I went uh, to a comprehensive school, but... I just didn't see any kind of representation on TV at all. Kind of looking back, the signs were pretty obvious now. But, like, aged eight, I was obsessed with League of Their Own, the film. I watched it every day for two years until my dad caved in and bought me a copy on VHS. But I would rent it every day from the local blockbuster and I would watch it. And like, obviously that's like a kind of lesbian iconic film and now a TV series. So the signs, signs were there, but I didn't see anyone. And I had a teacher in primary school who was a gay man who was quite sort of close as a family friend. Hmm. And I would just sort of remember a sense that he was considered to be, had a slightly different lifestyle. So I knew early on that, you know, homosexuality sort of existed, but... It just didn't, wasn't in my world, which I know is insane because I'm, I'm from London. I'm from, you know... Well, this is the thing. I mean, if you were talking about the 1960s or 70s or if you were in some sort of far-flung place, I, it might be more taken as, as read, really. But the fact that you were in London in the 90s and noughties, presumably... Yeah. yeah. You would have thought you'd be surrounded by gay people and surrounded... Well, I went to a really, really, really rough school and I remember there was one guy in a really busy school. It was packed and I went to... There was one guy in my year who did ballet and everybody called him gay i don't know if he was or not but he was bullied really badly for it and there was one girl that came out as bisexual she was also really bullied badly for it so i think there was a part of me just went absolutely not no way this is too dangerous not going near it 
Yeah, and then I mean, I went to drama school, so there were gay men, and there was a lesbian in my in my year, but I, I went sort of in my I must have been like twenty, and still it just didn't click for me. I had a boyfriend all through that. I had a long term relationship. So you were a straight person at drama school. They probably stood yeah. out, did you? <laughs> Yeah, but the interesting thing is, I remember a teacher sort of saying, sort of describing me as androgynous, and it wasn't really a term I kind of knew, but I remember it felt great. And I sort of loved being called that and being sort of, you know, a bit of a gender bender, and I certainly was with my fashion. But it still didn't twig to me, I think partly because I thought I was in love with my boyfriend, and really he was just my best friend. And he felt, you know, he felt like my soulmate, but I think I just didn't really know the difference between loving someone and being madly in love with them. Because in a way, it's quite, a, it's quite a long time, isn't it, to not come out, or to not even realise yourself, to come out as a different thing, but to not even realise yourself until, you, yeah. until you're sort of late 20s. is It's not unheard of, but it's, it's fairly unusual, isn't it? Because you tend yeah. to have a sort of sexual awakening in your teenage years, I guess. That's what most people do. Yeah, I think I was very unwell in my 20s, which greatly affected my sex drive. And I think that's probably a huge part of it. But I remember a few incidents. Once I was in New York and this with my mum when I must have been about 19 and I was on a bus and the bus was sort of crammed. And there was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life sitting opposite me. She looked like Angelina Jolie and she had a rainbow keyring and she was just staring at me shamelessly and she was shaking her keys and it was like a real obvious invitation. <laughs> she knew I was with my mum and my mum found it hysterical and I got so embarrassed. She got off and she, she sort of laughed and my mum she was hitting on you. I was like, I know, that's wild. And then I couldn't really stop thinking about her <laughs> for, for, for years. But even then, I still managed to convince myself I was straight. For years, a stranger on a bus and you've thought about them for years. That's mad, isn't yes, it? I love yeah. it. Yeah. And how old were you then, did you say? I think I was about 19. Yeah. And I still just shut it down. It's quite sad, really, when you think about it. So you didn't do anything about any of these sort of thoughts or... There weren't even sort of urges, were they, really? It was just the confusion going on in your brain. Yeah, yeah. I think I was just so terrified by the idea. And I've always felt a bit different my whole life anyway that the prospect of potentially embracing that as an option would make me even more different. And that just felt a little bit too scary, I think. Mm. Well, I think when you're younger, there is a fear of standing out, isn't there? There is a fear of being different. And, and the older you get, the easier it is to embrace that. But I think it's really hard as a teenager to be the person that stands out like a sore thumb and be the person that people are looking at or talking about and being different. Absolutely, yeah. And... You know, like I said, school felt quite dangerous place for me. It didn't feel safe in school. So to embrace that difference, like you say, so young, was just not going to happen. It would just be too dangerous. I mean, now they have LGBT groups in schools, don't they? I've visited quite a few of them. You're looking horrified and shocked at the thought of it. Yeah, it wouldn't have no, happened. No, I think it's amazing. It's just, you know, it's taken me a long while to realise that Section 28 was still happening when I was 15. Mm. obviously I didn't know what the hell that was and I can't help but think that that had an impact it must have it must have because your teachers were not allowed to talk about LGBT issues yeah and um, you know they, they themselves might have been LGBT and couldn't if they spotted that in a teenage in one of the students or a, teach, a student went to talk to them that wouldn't have been allowed and 
You know, when it was repealed, I'm sure that there was still a repercussion for years to come. I mean, like you say, there's LGBT organisations and support groups and all sorts in schools now. It just didn't exist then. And also but- social media, right? That didn't exist either. I think it's amazing. And, you know, there's things like on TikTok and there's just like a huge community to tap into. Mm. So were you kind of going on about your life and just going on with the status quo and fitting in and having boyfriends and not questioning things? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I kind of always kept thinking, like, why are all my friends like obsessed with boys? Like, what is this obsession? I just don't get it. And I would see my sister absolutely lose her mind, get her heart broken, have these intense relationships and love affairs and I kept thinking what's the fuss like I just don't get it and I just assumed that I was just handling it really really well and then I came out fell in love with women and and absolutely lost my mind and realized that I just I just had been doing it wrong for 30 years gosh so what was the turning point then what was the moment where you did fall in love with a woman or you suddenly thought oh actually maybe I'm not straight yeah, I had a a very, very intense friendship with a girl and she was obviously sort of having feelings for me as well. And this went on for like a couple of years. And then eventually I think we kissed and I thought, oh, fuck. Okay, yeah, no, this means more to me than it does her. Mm. And I then just sort of started going on like dating apps and changing, changing it to men and women. But I never really went there for a little while. And then I met someone and uh, she just absolutely blew my mind. And I just sort of went for it. And then she broke my heart, which is obviously how it goes. <laughs> and when this was going on, when you were going on dates with women as well as men, were you telling other friends about it? Were you, were you being open about what you're doing? I told a couple of friends, not, not many. I think when I left drama school, I removed myself from those friends And I think somewhere subconsciously for a few years, I was slowly leaving my life so that I could start to embrace a new life. Mm. And perhaps on some level think, well, maybe I don't have to tell them or I don't have to acknowledge this and sort of create a new life for myself. But interesting enough, when I did come out, the friends that I sort of remained and held on to were so blasé about it that that in itself sort of threw me because I thought, well, you sort of gear yourself up for the worst possible reaction. And then it's so underwhelming <laughs> that you sort of think like, well, it's sort of really, I was like, this is huge for me. And um, everyone was like, oh, that's, that's great. What would you like for dinner? <laughs> Which was, you know, compared to a lot of people is, is brilliant, but it, it was sort of quite confusing for a while. It's funny, isn't it? I think people often imagine it will be this big dramatic moment and because we've thought about it so much ourselves for so long, we imagine it's, it's going to be a massive shock and a massive deal to other people. And most people aren't that interested in other people's sex lives. <laughs> Which is correct. But it was definitely, yeah, I was definitely quite sort of surprised. And I was surprised at how many of them have gone, oh, well, you know, I've kind of thought about it or, or thought around a little bit or been a little unsure myself. Which also surprised me because nobody, I didn't really feel that anybody talked about that. It's amazing to me that it's still going on, this whole sense of, thinking that it's going to be a terrible, terrible life being LGBT, ignoring it for years, not talking about it. And then when we do it, it's a massive anticlimax and it's not a big deal anyway. And I bet you wish that you'd known that when you were a teenager at school and all your classmates were getting bullied. 
I do, yeah. I still don't know how brilliant school would have been for me then, but I do because I. what happened is I came out and then it was like I became 13 years old <laughs> at 30 and kind of this like sex drive just came out of nowhere and then I was kind of moving through relationships to make up for lost time. And I, I felt like a teenager of age 30 and that I was kind of really embarrassing and making all these mistakes and just making a fool of myself. Yeah, I felt like I was in a sitcom, to be honest. I think I think a lot of people do that. I definitely did it, although I would have been a lot younger. I was a teenager at university and I always described it as being like a, a kid in a sweetie shop. It's like suddenly there was this whole other world opened up to me and gay bars and women and one-night stands and I find it all massively exciting. But I guess to do that 30 is slightly slightly different, isn't it? So you were 30 by the time you came out. I was there. I was 30. It was pretty much my 30th birthday. And it was strange because you just think, well, at least for me anyway, like I thought, well, okay, I'll just come out and then it's done. But you come out all the time, over and over and over again. But it's not just coming out. You're embracing. It's a a whole new world it is pretty much like moving to another country where you don't speak the language because I didn't know how to find the clubs I didn't know what to wear I didn't know what you know the way that women and kind of queer people flirt is even different in itself it felt like this whole new world that I had to discover I'm I'm interested to know what's different about flirting I don't know if I've flirted with men so I don't know go on what's the difference (laughs) to be honest I just think the way that kind of lesbians flirt is really clever maybe that maybe it's this is true for straight people as well it's just I never really did it before and didn't really understand it whereas it suddenly just felt like a really sexy game of chess (laughs) um I went on this journey to really try and make myself visible and wearing things that I wouldn't necessarily wear or thinking I had to present in a specific way just to try and find my people and find where I belong and terminology and all sorts. So I remember the first woman I, I slept with, she said, well, you know that classic lesbian joke, don't you? And I thought, oh, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. She said, well, what does a lesbian bring to a second date? Yeah. I sort of looked at her like, I don't know, a bottle of wine? <laughs> She's like... <laughs> No, it's a, it's a suitcase, isn't it? Yeah, it's a suitcase. Yeah, everyone knows that. Well, I didn't, you know. It was just, <laughs> yeah, trying to, trying to learn all this stuff. But exciting times, right? Really, really exciting. But unusual because the circle of friends that I did have who were straight and uh, a few gay men were kind of, not, not so much the gay men, but my straight friends were going through a thing of, well, at that point they were getting engaged. Uh, they were moving out of London. They were looking at starting a family Whereas I felt like I was starting my life all over again. And I was falling in love for the first time, uh, making a fool of myself, just kind of being chaos, like you said, like a kid in a sweet shop, just overindulging. And were your friends happy for you? Were they worried for you? What was their reaction? I think it was a bit of both. I think, of course, they were happy for me to see me go on, on this new journey and find myself. But it did, we did start to kind of move apart as our world started to change. And then I went through a stage where, with that, I felt that in order to kind of embrace the queer clubs and stuff, I got quite heavily into drugs. So I think there was a concern there. Mm. I love our community. I do still think that it is a community founded on trauma and there is a lot of pain and a lot of drug taking. And I certainly fell down that route. I've now been three years sober, but it took me a little while to get there. It felt like I had to do that to connect, to partake um, and lost myself a little bit. 
And it's it's interesting to hear you say that because certainly the perception is, you know, that it's a lot of younger gay men taking the drugs and staying out all night and particularly when you talk about the chemsex parties and that sort of side of it. It's always the focus on gay men, isn't it, really? But um, it's interesting to, to hear you admit that, you know, lesbians can get caught up in this as well quite easily because there is, like you say, the trauma. Yeah, and I really do think that is it. And also we don't have spaces and there's not really other places to meet and connect. So it is through the club scene and a lot of club scenes that, that they just go hand in hand, right? That's just sort of how it is. I think it's better now. I'm seeing so many kind of queer picnic meetups or, you know, sober parties. And I think it's changing. And I, I think that's amazing. But it's certainly, that was my route in. And I, I believe that is true for a lot of people. I think it's the obvious route in, isn't it? Because the gay bars are so visible, you know, and especially in London, you can go to Soho, Manchester, you can go to the gay village, you know, it's the very visible part of it, isn't it? But the more you get dragged into that, the worse it can be. But, you know, underneath there's all these other things going on, like um, people that go ballroom dancing who happen to be LGBT or people that, you know, probably do have chess clubs that are for LGBT people, all those sort of other more mundane stuff goes on but isn't as well advertised or publicised is it yeah it's exactly that it isn't as well advertised and you know it's sort of like like we say oh well the gays know how to party that's one thing that they definitely we definitely don't have to do so I was like great that's my way in and it took me a long time to realise I'm actually an introvert who Mm. really likes silence (laughs) so really doing that was probably the worst thing I could have done for myself but you know it was a journey and I have no regrets but um yeah, there are so many other things. I don't know about chess, that's certainly not for me, but like, I'm sure there's a lesbian bowling club out there somewhere. I'm sure there is. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to go and find one now. I quite like the idea of that. Yeah. <laughs> so what about coming out to uh, family then? When did that happen? I came out to my mum fairly early on. I remember building myself up into an absolute state, falling apart and her saying, look, what's wrong? I couldn't say, oh, I'm a lesbian. So I said, I've fallen in love with a woman. And she just looked at me and she went, so what's wrong? Which I think was just so lovely, actually. And I remember feeling after that like I had been skinned alive. And I called my friend and I said, I've done it. I've told her. And I've just, it went really well. But I'm just so drained in the build-up. I didn't come out to my dad. I let my mum, my mum tell my dad, but he couldn't care less, actually. I think he was absolutely fine. And then it took me a little while later to come out to my sister. And was she all right? She was absolutely fine, yeah. She was. She couldn't believe it, which sort of... She was just like, are you joking? Really? Are you, ta- are you taking the piss? And I was like, no, I, I, I have a, a girlfriend and, I, and I've fallen in love. But actually, you know, I've got my life partner now and my sister and, and my life partner are just best friends. It's really sweet. They just adore each other in a way that she never did with any of my other partners. And that's been so lovely yeah. well your mum had the best reaction didn't she just like you know she was kind of telling you there's nothing to be ashamed of there's nothing to be worried about you fall in love with a woman that's that's good news in a way isn't it and that's it yeah and then the next time I saw her it was raining and she um she had like a rainbow umbrella and she was sort of twirling it and having a dance it was really really very cute <laughs> so did you have much of a more of a discussion about it or was it was it just like it's all good no need to chat I think my mum was mainly concerned with the women I was falling in love with rather than the fact that they were 
women or non-binary people because they the relationships I had were quite toxic for a little while. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just that I went on this speeding up process of I have to make up for lost time. So I kind of, you know, wasn't really thinking and was just dating people that were not right for me who hadn't sorted out their own shit. I hadn't sorted out, my, hadn't sorted out mine. So it kind of was just a bit of a disaster. It was just a bit toxic for a while. Mm. Well, I guess to begin with, you were on, on the drink and drugs and that would have clouded it a lot. Yeah, exactly. You're not, you know, chances of meeting someone brilliant uh, under that state is, I imagine, quite slim. And I'm guessing, were you sort of doing jobbing actress work or what were you doing? Was it, was it an issue to come out at work as well? Do you know what? I've often wondered if that is also one of the reasons why it took me so long. And I think my casting type wasn't particularly obvious leading lady. So the casting bracket felt quite small. The notion of coming out earlier than that, then going, right, well, then that's really going to limit my box because I'll only ever be seen as lesbian. And there were hardly any lesbian parts on TV. I think I just thought, right, well, then that's just not an option. So I do actually wonder if that's the case. Now it's completely different. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm very much out and proud and we are seeing representation in a way we never had before. Mm. And, I, and that's brilliant. But yeah, I do think that that definitely was, an, was one of the reasons. Which is slightly bonkers, isn't it? Because the whole point of acting is that you are somebody else. So you could be gay and act straight or you could be straight and act a character that was gay. I don't... Yeah. Necessarily see the issues with either way around. Although I know there are lots of there's lots of debate around cisgender people playing trans people, which I kind yeah. of understand. But I but your job as an actor is to act, right? Well that's what I think, but when I think about the actors that are out, they don't often get to play straight people. Mm. Whereas straight people often get the option to play gay people. So yeah, I think that that sort of fed into that and potentially held me back a bit. Mm. But yeah, I agree. It's absolutely bonkers. And, you know, as an actor, your job is to act and to play various characters. And I've convinced myself for 30 years I was straight, so I'm damn sure I can convince an audience I am. But it still, yeah, it still definitely had an impact. So, but it looks like you have taken work into your own hands by doing your own production and very much focusing on you and your journey. Yeah. Well, so I've got a play coming on called 30 and Out, which is one of the first times that I've fully taken my life and put it on stage. I often take a character and put a character on stage, but this is my life. And I think because I thought the more and more people I met, they often go, God, that is quite, it's quite late to come out, age 30. And it felt like an interesting time because my sense is that when you're in your 30s, you haven't quite secured a fully rounded life, but it's enough to have secured a life. Whereas I think, you know, if you come out in your 40s, there is a chance that you've had more of a life beforehand. Whereas the 30s, I felt like I hadn't quite built anything yet to then crash it all down and start again. The more I, I told my ridiculous story and my really embarrassing one night stands and the hiccups, I thought I've got to put this into a into a show. And that's that's what we've done. It's quite brave, isn't it, though? Because like you say, it's you're, you're going to be selling tickets to you know your life story. Is it brave or is it egotistical? I ask myself myself that a lot, but uh, no, I do. I think it's brave. And I think what makes this show actually fantastic is I've interviewed lesbians all over the country to get their coming out stories, Mm. which is interspersed throughout the show. So you'll get little snippets and you'll hear 
their journeys and it makes it just much more collective and community-based and fully rounded. And what was the most surprising coming out story you heard then on your travels? I think one of them that was really interesting was a woman who grew up Catholic and there's an amazing quote where she said she went to a gay bar at university with her friends as an ally and she was struck by two things and the first thing was that she thought everybody looks so happy Hmm. and the second thought was so how can all 200 of these people be going to hell? And you think, my God, but you know, that's sort of, that was the way she was brought up. And I think she was 45, but her story was fascinating and she kind of ended up in conversion therapy twice. Wow. And I thought, well, she was only nine years older than I am. There's not that much. Conversion therapy in this country then? In this country, yeah. 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 Well, we're still waiting for the government to uh, ban that, aren't we? Yeah. Not holding my breath just yet. Funny that, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, amazing stories all over and just so different and so varied and what's been so lovely is getting the sort of different age groups and I can say the common thread has felt like there's less turmoil with the younger generation which shows huge improvement like I agree our government is absolutely rubbish but I do feel that globally if there's less turmoil that's huge progression Yes, you don't get shot or um, thrown off a tall building for being gay. So, you know, we're we're a lot better off than a lot of people in a lot of parts of the world, sadly. Well, isn't that the truth, yeah. And this show is um, you on the stage on your own. You know, you're you're quoting these other women that you've interviewed, but really it's it's you on the stage on your own. That's going to... I feel like I'm putting the fear of dread into you here, but that, that would be, to me, terrifying. But I guess that's what you've trained for. That's what you do, right? I know. I've done it a few times and I always tell myself I'm never going to do it again because it's, um, it's hard graft, but then I always end up doing it again. But I'm not taking the voices of the other people that we're interviewing. It will be their voices that you hear. Which So it, so it doesn't feel like I'm doing it alone, to be honest. And I think I'm hoping, you know, that there will be so many queer people in the audience kind of really enjoying the show, relating to it laughing at it cringing also just being really upset that it will feel like a real community project that's i think is the key thing for me is to give the community something else so it feels collective and have you had any sort of feedback yet have anyone been able to see rehearsals or see how it's going well we've only just started rehearsals but we've have had feedback from the people we've interviewed saying do you know what thank you i've listened to my interview and it was really important for me I did the interview because I struggled to embrace the word lesbian and doing it has really given me something. So in that sense, it feels really like, oh, cool, you know what? This project actually is making a difference and it isn't just egotistical. I think it's going to be really, really good and give people something. And I don't know if you asked this question of your interviewees, but it's one that I always like to throw in to ask people. You know, you've gone through it not that long ago, actually. It's all fairly new to you, isn't it, really? Any advice for other people who, ha- who haven't gone through it yet? I would say just give yourself the time you need. And that almost sounds counterproductive because I know I feel like I came out late, but your lifetime is both short and long and you don't have to rush anything. This is your journey, right? There's no right or wrong way to come out or right or wrong time. So just sit with it. You don't have to throw yourself in the deep end. Just sit with it and come out to yourself first. I think that's probably the most important and hardest step, right? Probably best if we just remind people what your play's called and and where it's going to be on and how they can go and see it, because you're going around the country a bit, aren't you? We are, yes. So it's called 30 and Out. 
We head to London for the 30th of May to the 3rd of June. Off to Manchester for the 7th and 8th of June. And then we'll be at the Edinburgh Fringe for the whole of August. Wow. That is pretty much a UK tour there, Kit. Pretty much a UK tour. Would love to get to Bristol. And then it will be a UK tour. Yay. Well, as you thespians say, break a leg. Thank you very much. A big thank you to Kit Sinclair for sharing her story. I did actually look for a lesbian bowling club and failed. I did find some in the US, but none in the UK. So a big gap in the market there. Now, if you're listening to this podcast as soon as it was released, you can probably catch Kit's show at the Pleasance Theatre in London. It's then on at the 53-2 Theatre in Manchester at the beginning of June, before heading to the Edinburgh Fringe in August. The show is called 30 and Out. It's probably best to follow Kit on Twitter. She is Kit Sinclair O. Uh, that's Sinclair without an A, but with a capital O at the end. Hope that makes sense. That, then, is it from us for this season. It's been such an honour to bring you so many positive stories again from across our community. We're off for a summer break, but we will be back. We're looking for sponsorship to help keep this brilliant project going. So if you have any contacts or ideas, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter via at Come Out Stories and on Instagram via Coming Out Stories Pod. Or, better still, go to our website, comingoutstoriespodcast.com, and you can email us there. Take care, and let's catch up soon. Mwah!